Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. This morning, we are going to be talking about uh, John 4. We'll be, uh, so if you want to open that up, uh, just from John chapter 4. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kara, and my husband, Ben, and I, we run the kids and youth ministries here at New Hope. Um, Like Pastor Matt was saying, I've been around for a while. I was away um, because I finished an internship. I moved up to Michigan, met my husband, and I convinced him to come back to God's country. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, Pastor Tom had asked Ben and I to speak uh, on a a couple of Sundays, and he really believed that. He wanted you guys to see our hearts. And when I was trying to come up with what to preach today, some of you may recognize John chapter 4 as the story of the woman at the well. And that is a story, sorry for the youth, I preached some aspects of this a couple, a couple weeks ago, but uh, this story really speaks to me, and he wanted you guys to see our hearts, who we are, what we're about, and why we do what we do in ministry. And I have spent the last several weeks going back and forth going, this is Pastor Tom's favorite thing in the whole entire world, I don't know that I am... I don't think that I'm capable or should I preach about the woman at the well. Because if you've been around long enough, you've seen the woman at the well in productions. You've heard him preach about it. It ends up in worship somehow. It is all over the place. But I think that's why I should preach it is because years ago when I was here in Mission 21, when I heard that message, it set a foundation in me that has carried me through ministry. And there are aspects of this story that have just transformed my whole life, how I do things, how I pursue things, and how I do ministry. And that's what I'm gonna share with you today. So I'm hopeful you get something out of it. So if you wanna go ahead, we're going to look at John chapter four. We'll be starting at verse four. So right there in the beginning. Okay. I will be reading for just a minute, so bear with me. Now he had gone, had he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must, must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you reveal yourself to us, even in our lowest places. God, I thank you that you are always seeking us out. You are always causing encounter for us. So God, I just pray and ask that you will speak to us today. God, open our hearts to hear from you, open our minds. God, I pray that I will be able to actively communicate what your heart desires. We love you, Jesus, and your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. I will warn you, I am not as funny as my husband, so I might go straight to business, but that's all I really know how to do. And I'm awkward, and that's funny, so that's about it. So, <laughs> so anyways, um, so we're talking about the woman at the well today, and there are reasons I love this story. There are just so many little tiny nuggets that I've read this story over and over and over again, and there's just more that comes out of it. Because I believe that this story is a wholehearted and true aspect of what ministry should look like of both the transformed and those who create encounters. And I'll explain more about that in a minute. Now, in this story, we see Jesus, he's tired, he's been on a long trip, and he stops at this well. And it's about noon, and the Bible points that out, and it's kind of a foreshadowing of the woman that we're going to meet. You see, he's going to draw, or he sees a woman drawing water at noon, alone. And in those times, that's kind of a peculiar or funny thing because women in those days, they used to go at the beginning of the day in groups, and it was kind of this social gathering. It was like the highlight of their day that they would go at the beginning of the day. So already from that aspect, the fact that she's alone, it's noontime, kind of weird, already shows us this woman is probably an outcast. She probably walks in shame. 
And there's a lot to unpack impact with that. Um, so anyways, Jesus walks up to her and he's like, hey, can you give me some water? And she's kind of confused at why this man is talking to her because she's a Samaritan and he's a Jew and they have some bad blood. And basically he says to her, hey, I have living water. I have something for you. And she doesn't really understand and she kind of makes like a joke like, okay, can I get some of this living water so I don't have to walk out here every single noon and pull water for everybody? That would be a really great thing. Um, So we see kind of this situation happen. And it's really funny. Um, But then Jesus goes on to talk to her and he says, hey, go go get your husband. And if you notice, she replies, I have no husband. And he says, you are correct. You have had five husbands, and the man that you are living with is no longer your husband. And this is the point that I want to talk about today. Because this is a woman who has been thrown around from man to man. She's living in sin. She's living in shame. She's an outcast in her city. And she just carries this weight and this heaviness about her. And Jesus recognizes that, but he doesn't overspeak and he doesn't move too quickly. He just says, hey, go get your husband. Almost like, let me see what what you're going to do. And at that moment, she has a choice. And I think oftentimes our choice would be naturally to go, oh, he's at work or he can't come right now or he died. I don't, I don't have a husband. Anything that we can take control of the situation. She easily could have taken control of the situation because for the first time, somebody is sitting and talking with her, especially a Jew. She's being recognized by somebody and by admitting I have no husband and admitting her shame, she's seemingly throwing that away with the risk that Jesus could go, ew, I don't want to deal with you. You live in sin and walk away. But instead, she chooses to unhide. Now, I know you've heard Pastor Tom say that before, because when it says true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth, truth literally means to unhide, to become vulnerable, to expose yourself. And in that moment, she chooses to go, well, what do I have to lose? This is who I am. What do you think about that? And the cool thing is, is Jesus uses that moment for an encounter. That's what happens is an encounter. Because that's what happens when we unhide and we become vulnerable. And we expose ourselves. And every bit of our junk, it creates an opportunity for encounter. And later on in that chapter, I didn't read that part. But what's really cool is she ends up going into the town and talking to everybody and saying, hey, the Messiah is here. Look what he did. He knew things about me that nobody could know unless they were the Messiah or the Christ. You have to come hear from him. You have to come see him. And she ends up, this lowly woman who's walking in shame, after her encounter, she becomes Jesus' greatest witness and preacher in that town. And she then becomes a point of encounter and she creates an opportunity of encounter. So that way when Jesus comes in and spends two days there, it creates an opportunity for him to effectively encounter other people and minister to them. Do you see where I'm going with this? Because here's the deal. 
We always want encounter. We always want God to change, but we're not usually willing to make the action to do it. Last week, Ben talked to you about your responsibility to the next generation. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about your responsibility to yourself and to your heart. Because what happens is, is we walk around so heavy all of the time. We walk around just burdened, whether we are in sin, or maybe it's not even sin. Maybe you walk in fear or anxiety or depression or all of these things. We're just chaotic in our brain. We don't know how to get our life under control, so we try to grab onto different things, and we make up different stuff to try to look like we have it all together. But then when Jesus is trying to encounter us, we don't even notice because it, it causes action. You see, when we are at that place and we are ready for an encounter, it causes us, we have to take action first and say, God, here I am. Here's every piece of me. This is where I messed up. This is where I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel shame. I feel guilt. I feel a heaviness. But I don't think it's just praying that alone. I think there's something that happens when we confess it to one another. In fact, I know it. James says, confess your sins one to another. And I don't think that's because we need to be like, hey, creating a gossip trail. It's because there's something that happens when we take that action and force ourselves to become vulnerable to somebody. It's hard. It's really hard. And what happens is when we become vulnerable, it allows a moment for the Holy Spirit to enter in and begin to work in us and begin to change us and to begin to mold us and who he wants us to be. And we are truly encountered. And then it takes action after that because she didn't stop there. God changed her life, and she took a step forward and said, this is how I've been changed. And she starts telling people, this is how I've been changed. This is how I know God is real. And she starts making active steps in her life, because I'm not saying that her life was completely healed exactly in that moment. Jesus didn't go, oh, boop, now you're back with your first husband and everything's good. None of that happened. It's... There was a healing that was done in her heart that pushed her forward. Now, um, I have a little bit of like a, a short testimony of how this concept has also been very important in my life. Um, I know I mentioned it like during Mother's Day. For those who don't know, most of you probably do. My mother passed away two years ago from a brain tumor. She struggled with it for about 18 years, having some good years. But that meant that I was about eight years old, I think. I was eight years old when she was first diagnosed with a brain tumor. Now, initially, it was a stage two brain tumor, so not quite as severe as it was in, in the later years, but it was very intense. And I remember, this was before we knew anything was going on, I was sick. So I was eight years old, I was sick, I had a stomach bug, and I was laying on the couch, hanging out with my family. We were watching a movie when out of nowhere, 
my mom starts to have a seizure. And I'm not talking like a little one. I'm talking like the grandma, like one where I was like, oh, okay, my mom is just randomly dying right here in front of me. Okay. And it was a very intense, terrifying moment as she was rushed to the hospital and I'm sitting here with my neighbor waiting on my grandma and something weird triggered in me at that moment. And now granted, she ended up, you know, after treatment and surgery and a lot of different things, she ended up being able to go into remission and she's a miracle. Like she, she really was, even though she did end up passing away, she lived way beyond what any doctor said she would, which we are so thankful for. But during that time, witnessing that, there was something bizarre that triggered in my brain. I became very fearful. I was afraid of everything. I, um, I was afraid to talk to people. I would oftentimes kind of like hide behind my parents whenever we would meet new people. I was, I, kids kind of associate weird things sometimes and I definitely did. I assumed that anytime I got sick, it would mean my parents were gonna die. Like somehow that worked out in my brain. So I was terrified of getting a stomach bug especially and I just was afraid of everything. And I walked like this for years of just being afraid. And I remember when I was 12, there was a moment where I was with my mom and I was running the kids check-in and she was good at this time, like she was fine. And I was sitting there and I remember looking up and looking around at other people and seeing them walk so confidently and being so confident. And I looked at myself and everything about me just screamed fear, how I dressed, everything. I just, I looked like a, a lowly kind of crunched up person in every aspect. And I remember just saying to myself, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like this. And I remember I looked over at my mom and I said, I don't want to be like this anymore. And that is the only sentence I said, but the thing is, is my mom was a very discerning person who was full of the Holy Spirit. And I know that in that moment, I didn't need to explain everything. I just needed to confess and open my mouth. Because in that moment, she knew that there was a change about to happen. And she recognized it and she says, you're right, you're right. And this may sound simple, but she, we took steps. We took action after that. I, I changed my glasses to contacts. I, I changed my hair, and not that it's physical, everything has to be physical appearance, but there was action. We were just trying to take steps of, I'm going to be confident. I'm gonna be confident and I'm gonna rest in the Lord in that regard. And I joined the uh, youth kind of like ministry team that was in the children's church. And it was really awesome. I, I joined that and it forced me to be on stage and do skits and speak to people and different things like that. And I ended up, you know, doing stuff in front of thousands of children, which was totally outside of my nature at that time. But it really was because it was who God was calling me to be. And in that, I found my calling into ministry of this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I never walked in that fear again. And I know it sounds simple because I was so little, but I don't think it has to do with age. 
Because I think we can do this at any point in our life, whether it's a child, whether it's a teenager, an adult, I don't care if you're 60, I don't care if you're 80 years old. If we allow fear and baggage and sin and all of this stuff to just weigh on our back, it turns us into something that we're not. It is not in my nature and it never has been for me to be a fearful person. That's not who I am, but that's what I was walking in. And something in that moment changed in me and it took time, it took years of working at it, of I'm not gonna be fearful, I'm gonna go on stage, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna join the drama department and go on stage, I'm gonna keep doing this over and over and over and over until I become comfortable with it. And we see that in the woman at the well is that she is not called to be the woman of five husbands and to be living in sin, to walk in shame, to be excluded. She is called to be that town's greatest witness, to be that town's greatest preacher, to walk in the confidence that she has met a Messiah and a Christ who has changed her life forever. And I think so many of us walk in like this. I I know, I know it happens. One of my favorite scriptures, if you could pull that up, Amanda, comes from Ezekiel. It's Ezekiel 36, uh, starting at verse 25. It's just a couple of verses, and it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, and move you to follow my decrees, and be careful to keep my commands. This, if there is anything you wanna know what my favorite verses verses are, it's this right here. It's this right here. Because so many people allow their heart to be blocked up, and stony, and stubborn, and you wonder why you have anger issues, or you wonder why you can't seem to get out of the sin, that you walk out of it for two seconds and say, I've been encountered by Jesus, I'm good, never mind. And you wonder why you do this over and over and over and over again. It's because your heart is so stony and stubborn that you don't even realize it. And I know that this is an intense kind of thing. But if you want to know what my ministry is about and what I know Ben's ministry is about is it's this. It's that I want to see people walk in freedom. I want people to walk abundantly. That when Jesus says, "I, I came so that they can have life and live it to the full. That doesn't mean material wealth. That doesn't mean all of these things that we think will make us happy. It's, it's that we will walk in his spirit, which means that we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It means that when we walk into things, we're not carrying such a burden. We're walking in who God has called us to be. It means that when we are encountered, we are taking actions afterwards to say, I am not going back. I cannot stay here. And I think what happens is we have these moments of encounter where Jesus starts ripping, ripping the stones off of our hearts, but then we're so tender and responsive that we don't do the next part. We're not quick to obey his commands. 
We're not quick to follow his decrees. We just kind of stay stagnant. And we say, that was really nice. And then we wonder how we got there again. Because it's, I see it over and over in people's lives. You see it in addictions. You see it in, and that is a whole slew of things. But you see it in how people have anger issues. You see it in marriages. And you wonder why you fix certain things and you're like, oh, this is really good for half of a second. And then it turns around and it spirals out of control. Because you see, the woman at the well, the fact that she took action leads me to believe that her life was forever transformed. If Jesus encountered her and said, hey, you've had five husbands and this, she's like, oh, wow, you must be a prophet. Very nice. She had that encounter. And then what? Did she walk back into it? Or did she turn around and say, this is somebody who changed my life? And that's gonna be my question for you today, is what is it that you need an encounter today? What is it that is making your heart stony and stubborn? What is it? And I believe that today, we're going to have a time that I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to start ripping off some stuff today. I really believe that. But there's a second part. Maybe some of you walk in here and you say, mm, you know, I don't really necessarily relate to the woman at the well. I don't really, I feel like I am walking in that freedom. I am walking in that goodness that God has for me. I'm walking in all of these awesome things. So I'm not really struggling in that way. Well, then, what I think is for you is to be like Jesus in that story. And what I mean by that is I think this is where oftentimes we kind of mess up as Christians, is how to be effective people of encounter. How do we create opportunities of encounter for other people? I think sometimes we can get overzealous and overexcited and be like, let me tell you about Jesus. And then you start preaching at people and you start going at people and you don't give them that moment to confess their sins. You don't give them that moment to confess, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I need to be vulnerable in so God can change me. And we get so excited and we start moving, 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 moving. That we are not like Jesus in that story. Jesus never did that. He walked in. He was kind, he was loving, he was never judgmental. A woman who was actively doing something wrong, he never looked at her and said, ew, you're gross, get away from me. He never did that. He sat down with her, started talking about a few things and asked her a simple question that opened the opportunity of a choice in her life. And he was gentle about it. And then he started ministering to her and talking to her after she became vulnerable because her heart was opened. Stony and stubborn pieces of her heart became tender and responsive that he could effectively minister in that moment. And I think sometimes we get so excited to, to minister at people that we, like, we just go after them. But here's the other thing. 
What you need to be pursuing is am I a safe person for people to be vulnerable to? Am I loving and kind? Do I have discernment to know when to speak, when not to speak, who to speak to? Am I discerning of the Holy Spirit's leading of when I need to move forward and when I need to go, you know what, this is, this is not the time. Are you pursuing the fruit of the Spirit that you are loving and kind and joyful and peaceful and patient with people? Because people who are walking in sickness and brokenness or heaviness, they're not always easy to deal with because their life is a mess. But the thing is, too, is that Jesus walked in and not only was he loving, but he didn't allow her to stay there. He propels her forward. And we see that all throughout, all throughout scripture. Even in Ezekiel, I mean, two seconds before God says this really awesome thing to Israel that I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you and I'm going to make you awesome and you're going to look like me and act like me. And he's telling all this hopeful stuff. Literally, like two verses before, he told Israel, hey, you remind me of a woman on her monthly cycle. Your actions remind me of that because they're so disgusting. Now, that is very drastic, but that shows you what an icky place Israel was in because they kept making mistakes over and over and over and over and putting themselves in a mess. And Jesus still said, I love you. I have a plan for you. I have a calling for you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you to your place, but I'm not going to allow you to stay there. And that's who we need to be like is once we are freed and once we have that encounter to where we have come to a place that we are healthy, we are not walking in sin, we are not walking, we should be pursuing, and we should be doing this at all times, we should be pursuing to be like Jesus. But my favorite example is to be like Jesus in this story because in my opinion, that is effective ministry. That if he can minister to somebody in so much brokenness and shame, and not only was she walking in shame, it doesn't even make sense that he was talking to her. He had so many like, obstacles that it doesn't even make sense that that's such a complicated situation to minister to, and he still was able to do it effectively. It's because he, was, he walks in the spirit, he walks in truth, and Jesus is safe. And another way that we need to be safe is when people are vulnerable to us, that is not so that way you can have information about them. And I think sometimes we get so excited that we received information about another person that we can't help but tell someone else. We can't help be like, hey, blah, 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 blah. But here's the deal. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about understanding that God has changed our lives and he wants to do that in other people. If you want to come out, um, the band wants to come out. I know I'm a, I'm a little quick today, but I really want to focus on an altar time. That's really where my heart is this morning. So if the prayer counselors can come up, I'm really believing that God is going to do something in here today. 
I really believe it. Because there are times when I'm up here during worship and I can just feel and sense the heaviness that some of you walk in with. And sometimes it's, it's so much that I, I'm overwhelmed when I leave worship. Because I want so badly for every single person in this room and anybody that I encounter, I want them to walk in that freedom and that goodness and the wholeness that God has called each and every one of us to. Sometimes I think we think that being a pastor or being in leadership, that's such a higher calling that God doesn't really have as much good stuff for us. But that's not the truth. The truth is God calls you wherever he wants you to go. One of my favorite Bible characters is Stephen. And if you don't know Stephen, Stephen was a food distributor. So while his little buddies are out performing miracles and doing all this cool stuff, he's a food distributor. But he doesn't care. He knows the word. He knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand. He knew Jesus. And when he was faced with opposition, he looked them dead in the face and he started quoting scripture at them. He started quoting, this is what's going on and this is what needs to happen. And he starts kind of preaching at them and ministering to these people. And they got so angry that they were like growling and gnashing their teeth at him. And they killed him. They stoned him for it, for being disrespectful when he was telling the truth. But the thing is, is that sounds like, oh, well, that's a miserable story, but it's not. Something that has always stood out to me were two things. The first thing is, it is the only time in scripture, at least that I've been able to find, that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. Normally, he sits at the right hand of the Father, Father, and in that moment, he is standing. And I believe it's because he is proud of what took place in that moment. That, that there was a man that, despite his position, he stood up and he was an effective tool for ministry because he took action. But then there's something else. There's somebody very important who was standing there, which is Saul, who would later become Paul, who would later become the greatest evangelist ever, who would write the majority of the New Testament. Because the thing is, is God has a plan for all of us. He had a plan for the woman at the well. Doesn't even make sense, she was a woman, she was in sin, she was all these things. God has a plan for all of you. He has a plan for each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.